Hi there, and thanks for tuning in to the Four-Eyed Radio Network. You're about to listen to another proud presentation brought to you by Revenge Lover Designs. Stand out from the crowd. For more information, visit revengelover.com and mention the podcast for 10% off of your order. Wallop and web snappers. My spider sense is tingling. 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 Anybody else's spider sense tingling? Welcome to Walloping Web Snappers, a Spider-Man podcast where we dive into every Spider-Man cartoon ever made. I'm Derek. And I'm Doug. And is your spider sense tingling? I, I'm not sure. It might be waterlogged. Oh, no. To listen to this show, find us on 4RideRadio.com and wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is brought to you by Revenge Lover Designs, illustration and design that fit your personality. For samples and inquiries, visit RevengeLover.com. And before we get into it today, we had a couple of word snappers entries that made it into our episode last week. Mm-hmm. If you are not familiar with our Word Snappers game, it is a game that we play with our patrons. If you are a patron, you could submit a word or phrase, five words or less. It can be whatever you want. So it can be completely weird, irrelevant uh, in another language or whatever. And we just have to kind of work it into an episode that we record that month. In this case, we had a couple of them submitted and we managed to somehow work both of them into one episode, which like <laughs> never happens because we usually end up spreading them out. So yeah. the phrases that we had were purple nurple, submitted by Katie, and I played Atari's E.T. religiously, submitted by Gemma <laughs> Nicole. Uh, you really surprised me with the purple nurple one because I had I had like set up the E.T. one and I was like, yeah, we're doing good. We got one in. And then uh, I was very pleased when you slammed me with that purple nurple drop. Yeah. I... Uh... Yeah, uh, that just, I wasn't planning for that one. It just kind of came to me and uh, worked out. So I'm very happy with it. Beautiful. Yeah, uh, you know, I, and it got me to think about donuts a lot. So that's <laughs> good. <laughs> I did play Atari's E.T. when I was a kid, but I wouldn't say I played it religiously. No way. Did you really? Yeah. Mm, oh, we owned wow. it. We're one of the few people who actually owned it. <laughs> one of the wow. one of the few copies that did not end up in a landfill. Do you still have it? Um, I'm sure it's at my parents' house still. I don't know if it works oh. anymore. Did it but, ever work? Did I it mean, ever really work? <laughs> yeah, it's it's just as awful as everybody says it is. Like I didn't, you know, before I knew about what the uh, the the legacy of it was, yeah. um, or the mythos surrounding it about how you know and how notoriously bad it was. I was just like, it's a game, and it was you know for it was still like technically before my time like mm-hmm. but we only had like that in like an NES in our house so sure. it was it was still like what one generation before the generation that I was growing up with so like it wasn't really that old yeah so yeah so it was just sort of like oh the older games like I'd play that and like Pitfall and and like uh I don't know, probably Pong too on Atari <laughs> like it was just one of those games so I didn't really think much of it it was just like I don't really get what's happening and I don't get very far in it so I'll just play something else instead so to learn later, it was like, okay, I feel a little validated. I wasn't just dumb. It was just that bad of a game. <laughs> I had to uh, I had to look up a video of somebody playing it so that I knew how I could either set that up or reference it. Because I was like, I don't know anything about this game other than everybody hates it. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> anyway, we are talking about Spider-Man today and not Atari's E.T., 
We are actually starting a new show that we've never done before um, for a few episodes. We'll do a few episodes of this show because it didn't run for super long. And this is 1981's solo Spider-Man series. And we have sort of talked a little bit about it before because this is the one that was made like in conjunction with Spider-Man and his amazing friends. So its legacy is sort of like weirdly tied into it, but also... It's also interesting because it was, like, super overshadowed by Amazing Friends. So, like, I feel like until recently, it didn't really get talked about at all. Like, it wasn't really one that people remembered very much for a couple of reasons that we can, we'll can we get into with some of the trivia. But it's sort of an interesting, like, watch because we've seen Amazing Friends, uh, or a chunk of Amazing Friends. And this show is, like, really similar in a lot of ways, but I feel like not at the same time in some other significant ways. Yeah, it, it, it certainly has a similar vibe simply by being made around the same time. So it's affected just as a cartoon in the same way that Amazing Friends is. But yeah, I mean, it's it's obviously got different stuff going for and against it based on being a solo hero versus a team of heroes and, you know, just other things. Yeah. It's not made by the exact same people, so it's not going to be the exact same show. Well, maybe by a lot of the same people. <laughs> There's certainly but, overlap, that's yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is interesting. It just felt, it's just like, a, it did get a different, like a different vibe from it. It feels like a little bit less, it's still wacky, but it's like less wacky than Amazing Friends is in a way that like makes it a little less fun, even though... It's a little more Spider-Man-y. I don't know. We'll, we'll get into it. We might have conflicting feel- feelings on that. I don't know. But the history of it is not that complicated, um, but it's still there's still some interesting stuff in it. I, I pull, There's not a ton written about it online, but uh, Saturday Mornings Forever has a nice, pretty concise history about it that I'm just pulling some information from. So I'll put the link to that in our show notes if you want to read a little deeper into it. The main backstory for this show, for the making of it, was that like directly before it was Spider-Woman, the Toei Spider-Man in Japan, and the live-action Spider-Man show. And all of those, to varying degrees, like were pretty big departures from Spider-Man. Like A lot of people complain about the live-action Spider-Man, for example, for like being unnecessarily different in stupid ways. Like I don't think Uncle Ben exists in it or anything. Hmm. So that was going on, and then uh, the other kind of attributing factor was Superman the movie coming out, which is a pretty generally comics-accurate movie. So Marvel was apparently kind of seeing this and being like, we can do a successful adaptation of our characters and actually have it like close to what we what we envision the character to be without changing like weird stuff um, significantly. Right. So instead of doing what we've been doing, let's let's try to actually have like an in-house Spider-Man show. So this show is kind of like what sparked Marvel productions from being created, basically, which is the one that also did Amazing Friends and also did things like Muppet Babies and the RoboCop animated series and stuff like that. (laughs) So, yeah, so they developed the show pretty much specifically to be more faithful to the comics. And, like, one way, for example, other than just other than like story beats, they like actually took a lot of inspiration in the character designs from John Romita Sr. specifically, particularly his work on the newspaper strip at the time. So, the character designer for this and for Amazing Friends, I believe, or at least they carried over character designs to Amazing Friends, was uh, Rick Hoberg, who also. Worked on the newspaper strip for like, I think, a year before this show. So oh. it's all, they're all interconnected. So, like, if you look at it, you can see a lot of similarities between how characters are drawn and how John Romita drew them. And even like the outfit that Peter wears in this show, like the slacks with like the yellow turtleneck and jacket, which is so dated. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's what he wore in the comic strip most of the time. And he started wearing it in the comics, like, after that. And apparently, the, the explanation for the turtleneck when they designed him was like, it hides his Spider Man costume. Sure, guys. Okay, we needed that, I guess. Um, <laughs> I don't 
don't even think that's accurate, though. It's not. I don't think so either. He, it's a very low neck or like wide neck, open neck top. And he wears other stuff, even in like just the couple of episodes <laughs> that we've seen other than that anyway. So like, it's a silly, it's a weird explanation that was like, un, like nobody was asking for that anyway. It's an so. explanation that could make perfect sense. Like I don't reject the rationale. I just, I think their own product contradicts their rationale. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> it's, it's so like completely inconsequential, you know, like yeah. it's just funny. Another inconsequential thing that's just sort of interesting is that this is apparently like the first time ever in, in any media, including comics, that Spidey's mask was depicted as being like attached to his costume's neck to be pulled up like a hood rather than a actual separate mask that he pulls off. You know, as much as it makes way more sense for it to be attached to the rest of his suit for no reason whatsoever, I prefer it not to be. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I like it. I don't know. There's something about it. It's probably just a nostalgia thing, but it just feels right to just have him be able to pull it all the way off. He can lose it that way. And I feel like that's uh, stupid, but has stakes. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I agree. Well, I mean, that's that's pretty much like the background of it. Essentially, when the show went into production, NBC was like, oh, Spider-Man show. That sounds cool. But like, this is a boring, just, just a Spider-Man show. We want something extra. And that's when we go into the production of Amazing Friends, which, if you are interested in that, our episode eight is all about the background of Amazing Friends and the first episode of it. So there's a lot of interesting like stories about like how they wanted to put feminism in the show and did it in kind of weird ways. Like there's there's a lot of interesting background to that show and the making of it. So I suggest you listen to that episode if you haven't already. But because of that, because they're like, okay, this sounds like more different and cool. Let's do this instead. Uh, so that Amazing Friends ended up airing on NBC where this show just ended up being sold to syndication. And just the way that that works, like NBC is going to be shown nationally to everyone at roughly the same time. When it's syndicated, it can just kind of pop up anywhere depending on what local network or channel buys the package. So like it's just inherently not going to be seen by as many people just just because it's not as widespread. So that's sort of like why this show is sort of considered to have been overshadowed by Amazing Friends, even though... Technically, it has more episodes than Amazing Friends and was in production first. And, like, I've seen arguments that people think that this is, like, a better Spider-Man show than Amazing Friends because it's more faithful. It's still considered, like, the lost one because it's not really as well-remembered, didn't really get as rerun as much, didn't really get any kind of, like, it was, I think it was streaming on Netflix for a couple of years and then disappeared, like, until it has only just now come on Disney+. Plus. Like, it just hasn't really been very available. So that's an interesting, like, legacy for it that it's uh, not super well-remembered. And the only other fun fact is that in the UK, they did release some on DVD and because they wanted to like differentiate it because it's just called Spider-Man, they marketed it as Spider-Man 5000. Yeah, what a bizarre designation, especially since being a DVD release, that means that it was released as Spider-Man 5000 like in this millennium. Yep. And that feels like such a not contemporary thing to do, to just be like, it's Spider-Man 5000. And why that number? <laughs> why that number? I don't get it. It's so weird. I don't know. I don't know. Wouldn't you think that it would make, well, maybe 2000 was still sort of associated with like futuristic, so they couldn't really go with like, this is Spider-Man 2000. I mean, I guess. Why not just call it Spider-Man 1981? That's what it is. Yep. Yep. That's what it is. So, <laughs> yep, yeah. The Adventures of Spider-Man. Yeah. I could come up with a million better names. Yeah, it's uh, 5,000, man. I don't, okay. <laughs> you do you, do, you guys. Spider-Man and himself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, you know, 
it's a uh, it's interest it's all it's like weird because it's like it's interesting how uninteresting I feel like the background of the show is like it's just like <laughs> let's do a Spider-Man show okay we did it oh nobody really remembers well, it that's fine you know, but you know what though <laughs> it makes it makes perfect sense that the background for the show isn't interesting it's it's literally like the first straightforward Spider-Man show that they made in what, like a decade and a half. Yeah. And so everything that comes after it is like, okay, now what do we do with Spider-Man? Or in the case of amazing friends, how are we differentiating this from Spider-Man? So it's almost just like a default show. And I, I suspect it will feel very much like a default show frequently and I don't know if that's going to make it bad, but it might not necessarily make it very interesting. And it certainly doesn't make the origin story of it very interesting. It's yep. it's just like a no-brainer, right? Like, we should have a Spider-Man show. Yes, we should. What should it be about? Spider-Man. <laughs> yep. Bam. <laughs> <laughs> we did yep. it, guys. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Sounds about so, right. Yeah. Sounds about right. I had this is, this is one that I had seen, actually, even though this is like, the lesser remembered one generally i have i had actually seen the show beforehand cuz uh, it uh it did still run occasionally in syndication packages like until like the late 90s i think and where my grandparents lived they just happened to have a package that showed this show and this was in the 90s so i was watching the 90s spider-man show so it was cool to like be like oh whoa it's another spider-man show and it was also kind of like a fun oddity because i'd only see it when i visited my grandparents because they lived in another state Mm -hmm. so i still only ever saw like maybe one or two episodes like i saw that i've seen the shrinking episode that's like all over the opening credits for some reason sure but yes but other than that very little of it but it's such a weird little like weird little (laughs) oddity yeah, I, I'm certain I've seen episodes, but I, I have no idea which ones. Maybe it'll hit me when we actually talk about them. But I have distinct memories of watching Spider-Man shows in like hotels for some reason. <laughs> so uh, this was definitely one, the 60s one. I definitely remember seeing stuff from. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm sure I saw Amazing Friends stuff in the hotel, too. I love that. I don't know why that's where I watched them, but that's where I watched them. I guess because you're like traveling and then discovering what the like where like those syndication packages that are local, yeah. maybe. And then we don't have this show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that feel that feels right. I feel yeah. like that's a that's a common like vacation thing for when you're a kid who like likes TV and doesn't like people very much. And doesn't have cable. Yeah, uh, yeah, sure. The world is your oyster. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you want to watch this show, it is available on Disney Plus, just like a lot of the other ones. So uh, it is it is officially available now, and I think that's why people are sort of like rediscovering it now as well. There's already when I was just googling it, it's there's like multiple articles like everything you need to know about this lost Spider-Man show, and it's like. I mean, it wasn't really lost. It just wasn't yeah, like... It's such a fascinating <laughs> thing to consider it. Like, I get why. Like, it was still on Netflix for, like, two years, not that long ago. Like, it's, not, it's, it's like, lesser known and, like, ha- yeah. and was harder to find compared to other ones. So I get that. It's just, like, I wouldn't call it lost. Because lost media means something. So calling a show lost is, like, either accurate or not. Yeah. And I feel like it's not accurate to call this lost media. <laughs> yeah. It, like you said, lesser known or more obscure or less, whatever. There's all sorts of things you could call it, but lost feels a little yeah. dramatic. I agree. <laughs> Though, you know, what apparently was lost was like the original master of this first episode, because what's on Disney Plus apparently is just like some kind of like VHS 
copy of it because it's not surprised real oof it's uh it's you get used to it real quickly and it's kind of a fun throwback like as if you're watching something you taped off of tv yeah but it's a little rough at first getting used to Mm -hmm. it and it's i think this might be the only episode like that the ones after it seem like you know fine quality (laughs) so very weird but the episode we are talking about is the first episode of the 1981 spider-man series uh, season one, episode one, entitled Bubble, Bubble, Oil, and Trouble. The synopsis per IMDb is Spider-Man must prevent Dr. Octopus from hijacking oil tankers in the criminal's bid to master Earth's oil supply. Cool. That is a beautiful synopsis. I would love to applaud whoever wrote that. It's a premise, not a full-ass summary. Mm-hmm. Oh, the <laughs> great the, job! The episode after this, I couldn't even. I, I'm not even using the IMDb description <laughs> for it because it's it is literally just like the whole episode, and there's no way to like cut it. So, yep, good job, guys. If we teach the children one thing, it's that you don't need to summarize all the events. In fact, you shouldn't summarize all the events of an episode when you're writing a synopsis or a blurb. Yep. Yep. <laughs> don't yep. do it. It's uh-huh. unnecessary. <laughs> yep. Well, the original air date for this episode was September 12th, 1981. Actually, the first day that The Amazing Friends first episode aired as well. So they aired oh. the same. Probably not the same time, but same day. So here's the thing about credits. So, you know, we normally do like a written by. Oh, yeah. And, if, and, and directed by credit. A lot of older shows didn't really treat production crew very well on cartoons. So like writers wouldn't actually get credited for everything. Like Amazing Friends does actually on their title card, they credit the writer. But this show for writers and animation directors, they just have everybody listed on one title card. It's the same title card for every episode. Sometimes you'll be able to find resources that like breaks down who wrote what. Uh, In this case, there doesn't really seem to be a reliable one because not many people really care about this show as much. So IMDb, I looked forward. Some episodes do have an individual writer listed. I don't know where they got that information from, but a lot of them don't. So I'm just going to do a quick run through of the uh, writers and animators that are credited for every episode, which just means for future ones that we do of this show, we're probably just not going to talk about that section unless they're called out specifically. And some of these names are going to be familiar. So the writers on this show are Creighton Barnes, Doug Booth, Francis X. Fian, Donald F. Glutt, uh, Jack Hanrahan, Christy Marks, Larry Parr, and Jeffrey Scott. And just of note, we have talked about Christy Marks, Doug Booth, Donald Glutt, all for uh, Amazing Friends, specifically our second episode we did of Amazing Friends, which was our episode nine. Uh, You know, the one with Craven and Dinosaurs and Mr. Frump. So that fun bit of madness. Oh, yes. <laughs> also, Larry Parr wrote that Pride of the X-Men pilot, which if you go on our Patreon, we did do an After Dark commentary on. It's good. It is. You should watch yeah, it. Yeah, we really enjoyed it. Directors, and then I'll get through this and then I will finally stop talking for this whole podcast. <laughs> uh, directors are... It's the, it's a new show. It's yeah. a new show. This is how it yep, goes. Yep, yep. <laughs> uh, directors are uh, Jerry Shinikwai? Shinikwai? I don't know that yeah. one. That's that's not from the uh, British Islands. I can't. No, help you. sorry, guys. <laughs> if you're new to our podcast, this happens constantly. We can't pronounce anything. Just it's just it's just a running joke at this point. Steve Clark, John Gibbs, Sid Marcus, Bob Richardson, Nelson Shin, and Kay Wright. All of these people pretty much worked on like some combo of Spider Woman, uh, Amazing Friends, Muppet Babies, and or the '80s Incredible Hulk cartoon. So like pretty much all of them have one or all of those credits. But also of note, we've said this before, but Bob Richardson also was the main director of the '90s Spider-Man animated series. 
But also, Sid Marcus and Kay Wright also worked on the 60s Spider-Man show. Oh, wow. Yeah, so they're, they were, I think they were the most, like, from looking at the credits, they seem to be, like, the most veterans of, of uh, this team. Yeah, they're OGs, man. Yeah. And also, Nelson Shin, not Spider-Man related, but he was the overseas animation director of the Simpsons movie. So, just, like, similar to the production end of things, the cast for this is also pretty familiar if you've listened to us talk about Amazing Friends and familiar if you just know shows from the era or shows that were produced by Marvel like Muppet Babies or RoboCop or whatever, because it all is sort of the same pool of people typically. And they do credit similarly too, but it's just a little, a lot easier actually, a lot easier to figure out who's voicing whom because it's it's one person voicing one character and you can, you can very easily parse that out. So it doesn't get as complicated, but it's going to be familiar folks, except for this first one, <laughs> Spider-Man, Peter Parker, voiced by Ted Schwartz, who you might not know because he did barely anything. Weird. So this... G.I. Joe and I think a Transformers show, probably the 1986 one, are like the only large property credits that he did multiple appearances for, Hmm. uh, with maybe some small exceptions. But yeah, credits list is like maybe a dozen items long. Wow, that's so surprising. I I like him in this, actually. I think he's like a better Peter Parker than Dan Gilvezen, who does it in Amazing Friends, is. I like Dan in Amazing Friends because he's really good at comedy, and I think he's a really good comedic performer, which is good for that show, because that show is a lot wackier and more comedic. But as, like, Peter Parker, he's, like, actually got, like, an actually youthful voice, first of all, which, like, no Peter Parker had up to this point, it seems like. And I think he's really good. Yeah. No, I totally agree with that. I, I like him a lot as uh, as Peter Parker, for sure. J. Jonah Jameson is somebody we have mentioned but should have talked more about because uh, it's, it's voiced by the same person that, that voices Jonah in Amazing Friends. So I don't know how I checked. Has he appeared? I'm not sure, which might be why we haven't mentioned him, but he definitely does the voice for both. What I don't know is if he voices J. Jonah Jameson briefly and is just like part of the block of voice talent credits, because that's kind of what they do for a lot of these shows is they just list the voice talent, whether they're in the episode or not. So when you go back and you look at a lot of these shows, sometimes IMDb like has people who are really diligent about being like, this is a credit only. They don't appear, but sometimes they don't. Yeah. So I'm not sure. I didn't look into it that much. I just looked to see whether we'd really mentioned him. And the only time we'd mentioned him was in our episode 38, when we talked about seven little superheroes and he voiced Namor, the Submariner. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, that's, that's what we would know him from, but he also voices Characters in a lot of properties that you would expect us to talk about from this era, like Super Friends, Plastic Man Comedy Adventure Show, Centurions, Tiny Toons, Yogi Bear, etc. And finally, Doc Ock is the focus of this episode, which you probably could have figured, and he is voiced by Stan Jones, who, if you look up a photo of, definitely could have also played a convincing Doc Ock on screen. Ooh. Looks very much like a Doc Ock uh, guy. 
So cool. he should have done that. But he mostly did uh, voice acting anyway. So I don't know that he would have been there for a live action portrayal anyway. He did narrate Little Shop of Horrors, the 1986 movie with Rick Moranis and Ellen Green. Mm-hmm. So that might be a familiar voice to some people. Yeah. He also voiced Lex Luthor in all, as far as I can tell, the various Super Friends animated series, as well as Cadbury and Mr. Rich in the Richie Rich Scooby-Doo show, which I didn't know existed. What, what, what? Um, they don't Why? cross. Oh, <laughs> it's just an hour long block and they have episodes of Richie Rich and episodes of Scooby-Doo. It's not like they're crossing over or teaming up or anything. Maybe this is, maybe this is an oversight on my part or maybe it's an oversight on IMDb's part, but I didn't, I didn't find like a just Richie Rich entry for him. <laughs> oh, weird. So well, I guess cause I, Okay. So I think, I think the issue is that the Scooby-Doo show existed independently and then Richie Rich episodes were only broadcast in that package with the Scooby-Doo show. Okay. So you're only so you'll see separate Scooby-Doo show entries, but you're not ever going to see separate Richie Rich show entries, I believe. Well, there you go. He also provides the voice of Scourge and other characters in that 1986 Transformers series and a few voices for Spider-Man and his amazing friends, such as Charles Xavier, Nightcrawler, and Dracula? I'm not surprised <laughs> that Dracula is in Spider-Man and his amazing friends at all. That makes Me perfect neither. sense. <laughs> Being Nightcrawler is interesting, though. Huh. Yeah. That's a, I'm excited to see what they do with that. Yeah, because that's definitely a departure from uh, those other voices. Huh. Okay. Yeah. So I guess that's all our production stuff, right? Anything we haven't covered? Nope. This is a... Uh, <laughs> it's i keep putting it be like it's boring like it's not boring it's just like basic i don't think it's boring <laughs> no, i just yeah. think it's straightforward yeah 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 <laughs> yeah and i don't think these episodes are boring either but i also think that they are straightforward yeah so there's something to be said about that and like you said it's it's meant to be a more faithful version so i think it's doing that yeah. so let's let's dive into this cool. one and you'll kind of see what we mean so this episode opens with Spider-Man hearing a suspected burglary in progress at the New York Cultural Museum as he swings around the city. He sets up his camera, which you will see him do a bajillion times over the course of all these episodes, <laughs> and he decides to investigate. I actually do like it, though. I It makes it sound like I'm calling it out, but I actually like it. Inside, we see a familiar metal tentacle making its way through the museum to a million-dollar ruby in, like, a glass case, and it slices open the glass case. It grabs the gem, and it makes its way out. And it's really funny because it, like, you see, like, a clock move to the side somehow, Mm -hmm. and then, like, the tentacle comes out and then goes back in, and the clock just, like, (laughs) moves right back to where it was before. Yeah. (laughs) Doc Ock does his research. That he does. Yeah. So, on the rooftop of the museum, Doc Ock is celebrating his great theft. However, Spider-Man happens to just, you know, be swinging by. He meets and attempts to confront him. Doc Ock, like, throws Spidey off the roof, but, you know, Spider-Man is Spider-Man, so he'll web-swing, right? Nope, he's gonna web-trampoline his way back up, actually. (laughs) But then only to be washed off of the roof and into a garbage truck when Doc Ock slices open an entire water tower. Yep, yep. (laughs) Spider-Man... This is this is like a funny detail that I think I know. I'm not going to say I think. I know for sure that I would be so much harder on if this weren't a 1981 production. Mm-hmm. But Spider-Man then goes to retrieve his camera, which wouldn't have taken any pictures of him or Doc Ock. Nope. <laughs> because he set the camera up on a window facing in the museum, nope. but his entire confrontation was on the roof. Whatever. Every time we see his camera set up, it's always in the worst possible place. (laughs) 
like every, it's not even it's not even that like oh he like migrates to fights at a different spot like no it's like no you're pointing yeah. this like at water like that's not gonna picture anything even if you're fighting right <laughs> what are you talking what are you doing dude you know what though it really does highlight how kind of absurd the idea that spider-man could just like set up a camera and get amazing pictures. Yeah, right. It, it kind of points that out, but whatever. It's not meant to be commentary. It's just a, a silly detail. Yeah. So he, he grabs his camera and he he notes to himself how strange it is that Doc Ock stole just one ruby when he could have taken a whole case of jewelry that was right next to that same ruby. He ends up returning home and he begins to work on a homework assignment about New York monuments that he forgot about and falls asleep while he is working on that the next morning, he has a close call when he realizes he never changed out of his suit, and here's Aunt May knocking at his door. Aunt May in this show, I meant to mention this earlier, she's not voiced by the same Aunt May in Amazing Friends. I think she's voiced, yeah, she's voiced by Linda Gary, who voices Aunt May in the 90s show as well. Oh. Isn't that interesting? That is interesting, because yeah. I don't even think I necessarily noticed that. It's, I mean, you know, she's like a decade younger is probably part of it. So, like, her old lady voice hasn't been, like, mastered, I guess. Well, and just, like, the quality of production in general. Like, people are going to sound not wildly different, but if they're already sounding a little different based on age, I guess I could see where I wouldn't have noticed. Ooh. Yeah. Let me double check that I'm right about that, because, uh, yep, 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 she did. Yeah, it's so it's so interesting, though, that, I mean, because she sucks just as much, if not more, than the, than the 90s Aunt May, to be honest. <laughs> so, like, I feel so far for Linda Gary for only being able to play, like, shitty Aunt Mays. But <laughs> at, least, listen, <laughs> at least this one, they play her as a joke most of the time. So it's like she's meant to be kind of over the top with how ridiculously doting she is. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So after after that interaction with Aunt May, where she compliments his garish red socks, which is actually just his suit, Uh, He sets off as Spider-Man to do more research for his homework because what quicker way to get to the library than to web swing? Unfortunately, Doc Ock is at Empire State University pulling off another heist, and this sets off Spidey's spider sense. What Doc Ock is doing this time is using one of his tentacles again to steal um, through, like, the pipes of the lab, I guess. What the lab staff assumes to be is a priceless moon rock from, like, a safe. Spider-Man shows up, of course, and tries to stop Doc Ock, of course, but doesn't really succeed, and Doc Ock overcomes him and escapes with the thing that he stole. But what happens is when... All is said and done, the lab staff realizes, like, wait a second, he didn't steal the priceless moon rock at all. Everything's fine. (laughs) What a fool. He grabbed the wrong thing. And Spider-Man's like, oh, no, no, no. Doc Ock doesn't make mistakes. He takes exactly what he wants. And so he starts to suspect, like, hmm, what are these things leading up to? Why is he taking things that seem not valuable? I want to point out that when, when the scientists are, like, you know, being like, oh, it's fine. Everything's fine. He doesn't just, he's not just like, oh no, he's like, forget it, lady. Doc Ock doesn't make mistakes. It's like, jeez, dude. (laughs) It's very dramatic. (laughs) Very dramatic. (laughs) I mean, to be fair, I'm okay with him being a little rude to them because like their first response when he showed up was just like, Spider-Man, don't steal anything. You suck. Oh, wait, no, help us right now because now we see that you're useful because we see somebody stealing something. Like, (laughs) And Spidey even comments on that. He's like, oh, now you want my help, Right, right. (laughs) forget it lady forget it (laughs) so later peter's kind of continuing to work on his homework at home and then aunt may receives a call from j jonah jameson asking for peter you know a person who works for him understandable he's a freelance photographer so should expect that he'll occasionally call for when there's an assignment right 
Um, and she's like, no, I'm not going to let him know that. He has homework to do. <laughs> Which is fine. It's fine. <laughs> it's just silly. It's, I take no issue with this. He's an adult, though, and he has a job. Like, I know he's living with her, but, like, he's in college, right? I don't think he's in high I don't think he's supposed to be in high school, right? No, he's definitely in college, but he's a college student who lives with a guardian. Yeah, like, I guess so. I'm I'm not surprised by this at all, especially given her character. Yeah. I'm not. Yeah, I guess I'm not. I just uh, I guess I don't like Aunt May. I think I just got to deal with my bias that I have. for. <laughs> I don't like I don't like some Aunt Mays. I like good Aunt Mays. <laughs> this isn't that. And, and he he's already acknowledged to us that this assignment is like very late. That's true. So she's kind of looking out for him. That's true. Maybe I'm just <laughs> a jerk. Maybe that's the problem. I mean, we know that you hate Aunt May, I know. so it's fine. <laughs> yeah, uh, I hate some. I hate when she's not. I like. I love good ones, and I hate. I just. It's just. A, I know. It's just one <laughs> or the other. I can't fall in the middle. They either have to be great or they're or they're terrible. So, but yeah. So she's like, no. But uh, she does tell Peter though when he asks what the phone call was about. She does tell him that I uh, just Mr. Jameson and something out of robbery at the Diamond Exchange, and that's enough hints for Peter to to decide to suit up and set off. And we do see a fun little sequence of him suiting up. We literally see him taking his pants off, which, like, shouldn't be weird, but it's just funny because you don't normally, like, literally see him drop his pants. It's a strange shot. Yeah. I, I think it's a strange shot. It's not really a normal shot, I think, for most things because it's it's that shot of, like, floor level and, like, seeing his pants fall to the floor. Yeah. It's, like, typically associated with not just casual changing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And normally his, uh, like, he's, like, barefoot without his boots on. But, like, in this case, in this version of it, yeah. his tights, his blue part of the tights wrap all around his feet. And then he has to put the his boots over another pair of tights on his feet. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. Yeah. He could lose a boot. Yeah, he could. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, after he sets off, he arrives at the- Oh, wait. Oh. You know what also is cool about that sequence where he's like suiting up? Yeah. It his web his web shooters he, like he has to like put them into position. Oh yeah. Did you catch that? Yeah. So like the little the little button or le- like lever that he pushes on the palm of his hand, he has to turn that up for it to like he has to rotate it up for that to to work, I guess is the, I think what they're implying to us. Yeah. And I like that detail. It 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 makes it – it's almost like a little fail-safe so he's not just, like, accidentally shooting web. Yeah, I like that. That's a, <laughs> It's a really cool, like, well-thought-out detail. I like that a lot, yeah. too. And it's cool because, like, it's an extra thing to animate. So, like, they had to actually, like, yeah. make that a conscious choice to, to add that in, um, which I appreciate a lot. Hello, amazing friends. We just wanted to take a quick moment to shout out our spectacular and up patrons, Gemma Nicole, Katie, and Joe. If you would like to join our Patreon, we have a ton of great bonus content waiting for you. We have our Spider Bites, where we talk about pretty much whatever we want in the Spider-Man universe, such as comics, like the current Miles Morales series, and classics like Kraven's Last Hunt. Sometimes we do deep dives into Spider-Man stuff, like our miniseries on the unmade Spider-Man movies. Or we spin off into other topics, like the Blade movies or the Firestar comics. Sometimes we'll do some bonus content just because we happen to have it, like peeks behind the curtain or how we make certain episodes. And if you join us at the $5 Spectacular level, you also get access to our After Dark commentaries, where we let loose and talk about shows that aren't Spider-Man related without a filter. Shows like Gargoyles, Batman Beyond, Muppet Babies, and more. 
ultimately, these are the types of things that we're going to talk about anyway. So recording it and making it available on Patreon is our way of saying thank you so much for supporting this show and letting us do the types of things we really want to do. Whatever tier you opt into, thank you so much. Whether you're an avid listener or just stopping by, we appreciate that too. From your friendly neighborhood podcasters, thank you. Yeah, so he arrives at the Diamond Exchange and overhears the shop owner talking to police about the robbery. So he travels through the sewers to find Doc Ock's lair and, of course, commenting. We don't know why. I, yeah, I don't. I was trying to think, like, <laughs> did I miss something? But, yeah, you're right. There isn't. Nope. He's just like, this is the smartest thing to do, right? This is a natural place for Doc Ock to set up a lair is the sewers. Yeah, because I, I, something's got to have been, been cut out of that or something. Because, yeah, because he's even commenting, like, no wonder no one ever finds his lair. It's so stinky down here. But it's like, but why did you think that it was down there in the first place? Like, that's a leap to make. Like, he's right. The only thing I can begin to rationalize is that Doc Ock has been using pipes and plumbing but he really only does that once so that's that's like me doing all of the work yeah yeah people are also like straight up screaming when spider-man like lands on the ground to go into the manhole into the sewer she's like spider-man spider-man <laughs> but like in strange ways because like when they start like when they start screaming i'm like oh they don't like him but then he's like no no i don't have time for autographs so i don't really know maybe he's joking i think they were celebrating him or it's like a mix of both i'm not really sure this isn't really like the everyone hates spider-man era of spider-man i don't think well like this show at least doesn't seem to to give that impression I mean, just the way that the scientist acted when he first showed up, though. That's true. With this, That's weird. Because I think that he could just be cracking a joke just to, like, deflect. Like, they all hate him, and it's just like, oh, I know you want my autograph, like, as they're screaming angrily at him, you know? Maybe. I just, I'm I'm unsure. I'm unsure. Yeah. <laughs> like, I can't figure out how the general public feels about him based on what we've seen from the general public. Yeah, because we don't really see a ton of the general public like in in the episodes that we've watched so far, like really reacting, you yeah. know, just just generally. So I don't know. We'll we'll have to we'll have to see. Go keep an eye on that going forward to see how people act to him, um, or if it's just inconsistent. So he's traveling through the sewers to find Doc Ock, and he does succeed in that, and he he ends up at the lair pretty much like right as Doc Ock is explaining just to himself, but really to us, that he has finished improving his tentacles. With the materials that he's stolen. He doesn't say as much, but we can see that he's doing that. Before Spider-Man ends up in the lair, though, he sets up his camera outside of the lair, <laughs> which I mean, wouldn't get any good shots. Of course. Um, and decides to make his way inside. Well, yeah. So he finds Doc Ock, and Doc Ock, of course, just tangles up Spidey, like, immediately. <laughs> like that doesn't even put up a fight. <laughs> I think that's the point when Spidey's even like yelling for help, like jokingly, but I also feel like maybe not really jokingly. <laughs> yeah. So uh, Spidey attempts to use his web shooters on Doc Ock, right? Like that seems normal, but apparently they're waterlogged. <laughs> now, I'm not sure if they, they can't be waterlogged from the water tower because he right. uses his web, which means they must be waterlogged from being in the sewer. But he was crawling on the ceiling. So I'm not really sure why they're waterlogged. There's a few questions, especially in just in this <laughs> one scene alone, that uh, many questions come up. So, uh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, so apparently they're waterlogged. And then Takak uses a sonic quartz vibrator. Okay, cool. To paralyze Spidey. And a diamond saw blade to help him trap Spider-Man against the wall of the lair. Uh, he does it by, like, just cutting a couple of bars off of a ladder and then just like wrapping it around spider-man so you know it's all a little silly but like i like that they're 
kind of having this like cool piecing together. It's not like a mystery or anything, but like weird things that he's robbing. And then the way it comes into play is just like really unique and weird ways to trap Spider-Man. Like it's ridiculous, but it's fun. (laughs) I like it a lot. I like, I like the fact that we see these little robberies that Spider-Man is confused about what they are and they were all significant and building up to a bigger plan. It's sort of like a fake, not a fake out plan, but like, as opposed to there being like a bigger bad, there's like a bigger plan. Yeah. Well, it's, I dig that. it's cool because it's a good – I like – like there's not a lot of depth obviously to this version of Doc Ock because, you know, it's it's, it's a, the 1981 Spider-Man show. Like not – you wouldn't expect yeah. any. But I think that they get him pretty on the money in terms of like he's got the ego – and he is a really he's a really really good at planning like he is a master planner so he, yeah, he's super calculated yeah so yeah i like that too that it's like you're right like the main like all the stuff that we're seeing that would normally lead up to the master plan is actually him predicting that spider-man would get involved and just having preliminary measures to make himself stronger to more easily get spider-man out of the way right up front so we can go to his plan because like he well, almost not even just that because he uses the tools for his bigger plan oh, too right yeah you're right you're Right. So it all works out. So it's helpful with dealing with Spider-Man, but it's all it's all building up to the same point. Mm -hmm. It's really cool. And really, he would have totally defeated Spider-Man if it wasn't for one random thing that happens (laughs) shortly after. Um, You know what I don't like about this, Doc Ock? What? His stupid fucking triangle goggles. Which was. I hate the triangle goggles. I know that that's not this show specifically. It's a detail about Doc Ock that existed for a while, but I hate them, and we've never had to talk about them, and I hate them. Yeah, I'm not a – I mean, I guess I'm kind of ambivalent towards them, but I definitely don't like them. Ugh, they're so ugly. Yeah, I mean, they are definitely ugly. <laughs> and they're so nonsensical. Yep. Maybe, I guess they I guess they make him look more menacing, but like he doesn't need them. He doesn't need them, and they would totally impede his vision. Yeah. Not very calculated, sir. Nope. Not very calculated at all. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so Spidey's trapped. Doc Ock cuts open a water main, and then, like, the lair begins to flood, so Spidey's just going to be trapped there and drown. Cool. Awesome. Meanwhile, Doc Ock escapes in a fancy villain submarine. That has, like, little access points for him to use his tentacles (laughs) outside the submarine. It's so cute. And, I, you know, this is actually a really... um, cool detail i think this is something that i wouldn't have expected them to do right but i think they do properly i don't think he's able to use his tentacles when he's submerged underwater because when he first did that i was like that's so stupid water's gonna get in your fancy submarine dude but i'm pretty sure the only times he actually uses the tentacles is when he's above water otherwise well no because he uses it i think he uses his diamond one underwater later ah damn it well scratch that I was about to give them credit for something they didn't deserve. Damn, couldn't have that. Couldn't even have that. <laughs> but I like that he can use his tentacles outside the the submarine. Yeah, it's cute. It's a cute. It's a very cute detail. Well, Spider Man's looking for a way to escape. Of course, he doesn't want to drown. Understandable. Uh, but uh, Doc <laughs> Ock is navigating his submarine to this like super tanker full of oil to initiate what he calls the final phase of his master plan. So he's like using, uh, this is what you were referencing earlier, he's using his newly improved tentacles to stop this ship, paralyze the crew, and then cut open the tanker. So his plan is to steal and control the world's oil, which would be a, a big deal. 
And he's convinced that he'll be able to, like, control the world by owning the entire world's oil supply, which honestly, unfortunately, even though it shouldn't be like this, that's probably, like, completely true and what would happen if you control the world's oil supply. Because <laughs> it's kind of what the, the – it's, it's already kind of like. How it works kind of now. already how it works. So, yep. <laughs> everything <laughs> – everything – the monopolies are cool and great. So back at this lair, while Spider-Man's, like, in the midst of drowning – this is really just so ingenious. Like, it's cleverly set up. Like, it all makes sense. It all checks out. Like, it's just like a, a big aha moment. Like, it's like, oh, my God, I didn't even see it coming. But, like, it makes perfect. Like, this is like the, the theme of the episode plays into it. Like, wow. every plot element, like, like this, it's like works towards this one moment. Like, it's like a big major moment for Peter's character arc in it and everything. Yeah, he finds a bottle of acid floating in the water. You hate this episode, don't you? <laughs> I don't hate it. I just I hate the acid. <laughs> this is like I like the wa- I love wackiness in these things. Like I love like the wackiness of Amazing Friends. I think here's okay. Here's what the 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 feeling that I had with watching this. I think I really really like the first half a lot because even with some wacky stuff, like it feels just like okay, super straightforward Spider-Man story. Like if this is the vibe that they're getting, like obviously it's not as like crazy wacky fun as Amazing Friends yeah. is, but like it's fine. Like I'm cool with that. So then when the last half of it just kind of throws out like random stuff, like a bottle of acid <laughs> floating there for no reason, it's just sort of like, okay, can it be one or the other? Can it be like straightforward or can it be wacky? It can't be like I don't think both. this is meant to be wacky. But it doesn't make I any honestly, sense. <laughs> it doesn't make sense, but I don't think it's meant to be wacky. I think it's literally supposed to be I'm in a mad scientist's lair and a, a vial of acid is floating by. I guess so. The physics of it makes no sense, but I don't think it's meant to be funny. I mean, I don't, well, if it was meant to be funny, I probably would be more into it, but it's like just nothing. It's just like, <laughs> like, how does he get out of it? A fucking bottle of acid that he pours in the water next to his body in the water that doesn't, I mean, like, oh, I don't know. Like, yeah, no, that doesn't make sense. They should have just had the water um, not go so fast. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know. And then all this would have been fine. You know, and, and if you've listened to the show, like, you know, we're not like, we try not to be like nitpicky nerds about like stupid shit. Like, because there's just a lot of times they're just fun, dumb cartoons and that's fine. It's just, I don't know why it bothers me so much. It's just like, <laughs> like if it was something super ridiculously complicated, like, like if I can like pull one of his, these like robots and pull like a control panel out of the robot and then, and then wire it in just the right way that it explodes and causes the water to evaporate. Like at least it would be like so ridiculous that I could buy it when it's just like a bottle of acid floating around out of nowhere. Okay. Like that's what it's just like, but that's well, just not good writing. Like that's just fundamentally okay. bad writing. Let you me know? let me ask you this then. If the water hadn't risen as high as it had, so he wasn't fully submerged yet, and he had a moment where he was like, shoot, I can't I'm, – I'm not strong enough. What can I do? What can I do? Looks around Doc Ock's laboratory because that's what this is and sees this bottle of acid on a shelf. Does it bother you as much? I guess not because it makes more – because I think that's part of the problem is that it doesn't – it just comes out of nowhere. Like I think it's a little too much. Like if, if it's – like I'm, I'm expecting like weird – random like solutions to things because that's a lot how a lot of these superhero stories work and that's fine i think it's just like it's just too much out of nowhere but yeah i guess if it's at least like (laughs) this is an bottle of acid because you're in a lab of a mad scientist of course he's going to have a glass bottle literally labeled acid (laughs) like of course he's going to have that like okay i think the absurdity is certainly that it's just like happens to be floating by yeah but i don't think it's like 
I don't think it's absurd that it's there. Okay. I guess I didn't think of it that way. That's fair. <laughs> I'll 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 amend that to say that it's not it's not like it was never infuriating. It's more just like <laughs> that's come on. Like, you know, but I I can I can buy that better. He's in a mad scientist layer. That's just kind of missed missed a little bit of a had to work a little too hard for that, I feel like. They don't help themselves with the fact that he does I mean, I I I like jokingly wrote a description of this that serves as rationale, but it's so absurd that he like pours this acid underwater to cut himself out of the bars. It would have to basically be the consistency of Drano for that to even begin to work. Um so they they don't help themselves with that. That's why I'm saying like this would have been fine for me if it weren't if he if he weren't already pretty much submerged. But I think obviously what they're trying to do is make it, you know, they're trying to raise the stakes as much as possible by having the water up to his chin at this point, so it's all desperation. But I they they should have just made the water happen slower, and I think we would have been less bothered. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe I'm just in a bad mood. That could also be the case. But <laughs> Well, here, let me cheer you up because what Spider-Man says when he actually uh, uses his now not broken web shooter for some reason <laughs> is don't fail me now, you little squirter. <laughs> <laughs> and then it spurts a couple times <sighs> and then it works. <laughs> a little squirter. A little, little squirter. squirter. <laughs> don't fail him now. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> it's also worth noting, and, and I don't know how much this is playing a factor or not. Maybe it's not, and 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 you can say as much. It's worth noting that we just came off of a series that was heady as fuck. You know what I mean? Yeah. And this show just isn't, and it, it it's never gonna be. It, well, right. I mean, you know, I expect that. That's why we we like doing the the kind of older series as palate cleansers because we don't have to yeah. cover a full season because they're not serialized. And oftentimes, even though they can be like good, they're not necessarily, they're usually just not very deep just because of like the time and, and the goals of what that they were. Um, but I yeah. think that amazing friends is just so silly. Like, and this just doesn't, this just like, do, I think this is what I, this is what I was saying earlier when I was saying like, they kind of like feel different. I've, it almost has a different vibe to it because it's, it's silly, but like not comical. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like amazing friends, I honestly, it's a superhero show, but I would classify it as a comedy because, and I think that it's comedy often is really good um, for what it's doing. And I think that this, it's just, it's not trying to be funny. It's just trying to be silly and silly can get a little bit grating sometimes when you're trying to pair that with like it being like having stakes and being an action show and stuff. Like it makes it harder to like have fun with it to the extent and I'm I should try harder to do that because I think you're right. I think like it's di- it's definitely a different headspace for something like this. And I get what you're yeah. saying, though. Like I I don't disagree with the fact that this is not trying to be a comedy, so it has to get the comedy right if it's going to do it. I think that there are probably times where it it does. Like I think Spider-Man tends to be witty and clever. Yeah, and that works really really well. Yeah, I mean I'll I'll have to pay more attention to that too. So. But I don't know. I I I, was, I wasn't super bothered. Yeah. By the <laughs> I, like I said, maybe I was just in a bad mood when I saw it or something. But I do I do I do agree with you though. I think Peter's written and Spider Man are written really well. Like he has even even when the clip with the quips are like not like great, like they're always fun and they're always good. And a lot of times they are like really good funny quips, like in in a yeah. very Spider Man way. So I think that he has written really well in this. 
Yeah, well, that, uh, that'll be interesting to pay attention to now that that's sort of like out there as sort of the comparative element of this versus Amazing Friends or any of the other Spider-Man shows that do wacky better than this one has done so far. Yeah. So we cut to the Daily Bugle and Jameson is complaining to Betty and his nephew, <laughs> who works for the Daily Bugle, <laughs> about Peter's lack of availability. So his nephew, who's named Mortimer, offers to take pictures in Peter's absence. He says, no big deal. I could do that, too. Meanwhile, outside and elsewhere, uh, Spider-Man is reading an issue of the Daily Bugle, which is reporting on Doc Ock's activities at the oil tankers and gets a radio call from Aunt May uh, while he's reading this. This is interesting because, like, cell phones don't exist yet. So he has this, like, radio, and I think he calls it, like, he's getting a beep or he's getting beeped he or something like that. He calls it a beeper at first, but then he, call, then he calls it a radio after that. Well, and that's what's so funny about it, right? Like, cell phones didn't exist and beepers weren't popularized. So he's using terminology that, like, we would assign to things that they wouldn't have been talking about yet. So it's, like, funny. It's ultimately just a radio I'm not really sure how Aunt May calls that. I don't know either. It also, the the look of it also changes with like every shot too. <laughs> yeah, it kind of does. It kind of does. Um, but the the fact of the matter is he gets this call from Aunt May and, and she's really just saying like, how's your homework going? Where are you? But what this does is it informs him and sort of puts the pieces together on what Doc Ock has been doing this whole time. And... It inspires Spider-Man to rewire his radio to track Doc Ock based on the sonic frequency that Doc Ock has been using with his new, like, quartz tentacle, which is, like, fancier than it needs to be. But I thought it was a fun detail simply because they were using that quartz sonic frequency thing again. And I just like how important those, like, initial seemingly unimportant robberies kind of played out and were carried through throughout the whole episode. Yeah, I, I do too. I, I do like, I like that aspect of it a lot. So lots of questions, but ultimately gets somewhere that I enjoy. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. All right, so along the coast, Mortimer is searching for activity in a helicopter and he finds Spider-Man diving below the water. So Spider-Man uh, is, meanwhile, setting up his camera and again, in a really awkward place that I think is literally just like <laughs> pointed at the water. Yeah, on the side of a boat. <laughs> yeah, but cool. sure, cool. But yeah, he sets up his camera and he's investigating like underneath a nearby tanker. When he finds one of Doc Ock's pipes attached to the tanker, he cuts off the flow which forces Doc Ock to check out the problem. So, you know, Doc Ock does. He services, and then Spider-Man, like, hitches a ride on his submarine. And so once he sees that uh, that Spidey's there, he attempts to stop him with his tentacles weapons. So we get our little fight sequence. Doc Ock manages to, like, get an advantage on him and knock him back into the water. Um, Spidey is, like, swimming a lot in this episode, uh, by oh, the yeah. way. So thank God he has... Lots of water action. Yeah, yeah. He's got some, some good... He's got good swimming abilities because he swims uh, very quickly and very well. <laughs> <laughs> and when he notices a Daily Bugle helicopter above that Mortimer's in, Doc Doc Ock is like, all right, cool. I'm going to attack you, jerks. <laughs> and uh, I think he says, like, that helicopter is spying on me. <laughs> right. Like, I mean, like, what, what do you yeah. expect, buddy? You're trying to take over the world yeah. right now. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So Spider-Man hitches a ride on a on a shark. On a shark. 
literally a shark. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know how there's just sharks right on the coast of Manhattan? Just just right there. <laughs> you know what's funny is it it like what he ends up doing is like water skiing with a shark, <laughs> which at this point is like impossible not to think about like happy days and the the jumping the shark thing. Yep. Obviously this is different because he's riding the shark, not jumping the shark. But I was like, wow, this is your first episode and uh and people watching are gonna be reminded of uh of a phrase that literally means tanking your series. <laughs> <laughs> yep. You know, th- and this I like this. Cause this is also out of nowhere, but like this is so wacky and silly that like And meant to be. Yeah, this is the amazing friend stuff that I like am so into. Like he's fucking water skiing with a shark in the Hudson River or whatever. Like, come on, that's amazing. <laughs> I love it. But yeah, so he, he riding the shark and he's able to just, just through some cool acrobatics, he's able to save the helicopter by directing a tanker into Doc Ox submarine. So, you know, that's that happens. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this I actually didn't totally understand because nope, like he fixes it because he like re like he he fixes I think the tanker that Doc Ock was stealing from, but the tanker was like in a bay or like at a dock or whatever. So I'm not really sure why Doc Ock broke it in the first place. And I don't even remember him breaking it, but like Spidey fixes, I don't know. It's it's a whole thing. I don't get it. <laughs> no, I don't either. I, I, I yeah, I, I, I rewound it um, the last time I rewatched it just to like make sure I wasn't missing anything. And I didn't, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't he know. It just attaches like a propeller and then that, that makes the boat go. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> Sure. sure, sure, guys. <laughs> Makes tons of sense. <laughs> yep, yep. Yeah, like he basically this this wraps up with a Spider-Man pretends to escape and then leads him leads Doc Ock to a U.S. Navy base, and then he's just like webs up Doc Ock's tentacles because that's a thing that he can just do easily, I guess. Now, um, this is honestly the biggest grievance yeah. that I have with the episode. It's it's is real. That... It's real. It's real bad. <laughs> well, it's 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 not even just that he like. It's not the fact that he webs up Doc Ock and that's the end of it. It's the fact that he makes such a big deal about his web shooters being waterlogged and then is dunked in the water like multiple times by Doc Ock and then his web shooters are unaffected. He's literally (laughs) swimming. Like you can't make that a whole plot device. Right. If you're not going to acknowledge it later on. He spends the entire last act in water, <laughs> fully underwater, like deep underwater. Like he's at the ground floor. He uses his web shooters underwater. That's how he catches a shark. <sighs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this I will take issue with. Yeah. with yeah. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. It's uh, I'm not just excusing everything you do, 1981 Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah. You can't set up a problem and then just be like, never mind. It's fine. It's okay. It's not a problem anymore. I mean, like, <laughs> right. Like, I'm okay with him using it to ride the shark. Then you shouldn't have established the waterlogged thing to begin with. Just say he's on a web fluid. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they hadn't learned that they could just get away with that every other episode yet. Yep. I guess not. <laughs> Yeah, so he webs up Doc Ock's tentacles. Like, he webs up, it literally, like, his webbing is, like, tied in a bow. <laughs> tentacles. Beautiful. Sure. Um, it's cute. <laughs> it's cute. But, yeah, since he's in a Navy base, the Navy is just like, it's cool, Spider-Man. We got this. He's like, all right, cool. Bye, guys. What do you do military stuff? So they're probably going to commit war crimes on him. Anyway, back at the Daily Bugle, 
Mortimer is there, uh, having, you know, having witnessed all of this, he delivers his photos to his uncle Jameson, but all of his exposures were ruined in the confrontation with Doc Ock. I think they referenced like a laser, like laser fire hitting it or something like that. Mm -hmm. So they're worthless. And, you know, he left before the conflict was resolved. So he's like, yeah, Spider-Man got defeated. He got jumped underwater and everything, which, you know, gives Jameson a boner as it, as it really does. But as he's relaying the story, Peter shows up and interrupts with his photos and the full story showing that Spider-Man was victorious. So that's cool. Jameson loses his boner, but also is like, well, at least I can make money off of this. Yeah. The episode ends, however, with uh, Jameson complimenting Peter's photos, which highlight not just Spider-Man, but also various New York monuments. Whoa. Imagine that. (laughs) Yep. And if you remember... Peter had a college essay on New York monuments. So he's like, ooh, this gives me an idea. So he rips the photos out of Jameson's hands, probably forgoing any profit that he was going to make off of them. Yeah, fuck a paycheck. Yeah, fuck that paycheck. And instead takes the photos to make a, like, photo essay out of them. And he gets an A on it uh, out of the photo essay, which, I mean... I guess it's creative, but like it, it's just like what I feel like the college investor had to just be like, oh, you fo- you pasted some photos onto a poster board. You know what, buddy? Here's the fucking A. Whatever. I don't <laughs> like, <laughs> like, oh, my God, kid. All right. But yeah, apparently this professor loved it, supposedly. And Aunt May thinks it's really cool and is proud of them, but hates that Spider-Man is in all the pictures because he's a terrible person. Yeah. She wishes Peter hadn't ruined all of his photos with uh, Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. It's on brand. It is. It is. Aunt May, she has a brand. Awful, awful Spider-Man. <laughs> one face of the episode this time. So back, I don't it was one of our Amazing Friends episode. I think it might have been the first Amazing Friends episode we did. One of the faces was of like one of their painted billboards that they had that was a horrifying face. Mm-hmm. 1981 also lives up to that. They have another horrifying billboard. <laughs> <laughs> Spidey lands on a bug a spritz bug spray billboard with just a monstrous ghoulish looking woman on it. <laughs> I like the gag though. I do too. Yeah, because he literally. Although, Spider-Man what do you lands. think this was originally called? Because it wasn't originally called Spritz. They very clearly pasted over that. Oh yeah, like painted over that. So it had a different name before they corrected it. Oh right, weird. I'm not making that. I mean, up. it looks yeah, it looks like they painted over it, huh? Like I wonder if it was like an actual brand name that they used, or mm. yeah, I don't know. I don't know what else. Like I don't... Something that they found out they couldn't use. Yeah, or like something that was like, oh, that's actually like slang for something bad, and they had to change it. Maybe <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what else it would be. Yeah, that was a complicated. That was a. That was a. An arc of emotions. Well, I feel like I know your feelings. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I don't. I feel. I feel bad that I because I didn't feel like I was that. I didn't go into this like hating it or anything, and I don't feel like I hate it. I just. Uh, I didn't love it. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I think for me, like, it, it, it's rough, and I, I think I mentioned this at the at the top. Like, I probably am holding this show to a different standard than I would other shows well, yeah of course and yeah, whether that's fair or not i think it's just naturally what my brain is doing and so i when all is said and done this episode of this tv show doesn't stack up to great episodes or even really good episodes of other shows but i i i think overall like it sets out to tell a story and does so successfully like it's not it's not nonsensical it's not uh, a hot mess of a storyline 
Um, and I, I was actually surprised to have it be built up in as many steps as it was. So lots of like weird questions and detail problems, but like the overarching like plot of Doc Ock, I thought was was pretty good considering the type of shows that they were making. I mean, even considering Amazing Friends, like, mm-hmm. you know, which was happening at the same time and we've talked about plenty. I think this is a a more layered plot than some of those were, even if the details are kind of iffy along the way. Oh, I fully agree with that. I do think that this is something that you could see the storyline just like pulled right out of a comic or put into a comic just like with with very minor tweaks and maybe Mm -hmm. adding one ongoing like personal story for Peter or like dating story or something. (laughs) But yeah, other than that, like they even that's the thing that I do that I do think is really commendable about this show is that since it is a solo Spider-Man show, unlike Amazing Friends, I think they get a lot of like Peter's home life stuff right. And I'm probably projecting a little bit because I've seen the episode after this one where they do that, I think, really well, too. But even in this episode, like just having Peter like trying to juggle Spider-Man stuff with like being late on an essay and then like kind of failing at that and then having to find a creative way to like get out of it. That also involves Mm -hmm. Spider-Man. Like that's kind of a cool quintessential Spider-Man story that, you know, Amazing Friends isn't going to do because it's not that kind of show that's interested in that side of things. And I think this show does that that stuff well, and I'm and that's the thing that I'm also in, that I'm really interested in seeing moving forward with it is like what fun like Peter life stuff and Parker Luff's luck stuff are they going to yeah. integrate because it's going to be different than you know what we'll see what we would see in the 90s and 2000s and beyond because of when it was, but the fact that they're doing it at all, I'm just interested to see what kind of ways that they'll play with that, um, especially given that I don't know how much of like his romantic life they really do in this show. So like most of his stuff is probably going to be like related to his job or school or something, Mm -hmm. which you can still have fun stories with. Yeah. But, but it's worth noting. And I think this is sort of like what we're discovering or trying to parse out. It's worth noting that like a show that is well constructed most of the time can still have or lack effectively like charisma or like, um, like a, a sense of attraction. Yeah. And, if it has a tonal problem, which may or may not be the case, we haven't really watched enough of it to fully assess that, I think, then then that's what we're going to run into is, okay, like you can put you can put a story together, but like, do you have your tone down? And if not, like what's going to draw us to you, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So well, I guess maybe that's the thing to track as opposed to with some other ones, like we've tried to figure out like with unlimited how is the pacing going are we tracking the pacing is that something they're nailing or with the 90s show like how are they growing their storytelling abilities with regards to serialization now i'm kind of curious with this show like do they figure out what type of show they're trying to make and is it the right show for them and are they even doing it well yeah you know yeah I would agree with that. Yeah, I think the charisma thing, it's just for some reason, it's just not hitting with me right. And I'm, and I'm having a hard time identifying what that is. Um, I think the silliness stuff, like the comedic versus silly, I think, thing that I was talking about earlier might is, is the best thing that I can get right now. But I'm I'm still excited to watch more. And again, see, like since Amazing Friends doesn't really do a lot of actual Spider-Man stuff in it. I'm mm-hmm. curious to see how this show handles certain villains and characters um, since it has room to do that especially given the time period that it was made in, like who they're going to choose to focus yeah. on and everything. So I am, I'm still excited to watch it. I don't want that. I don't want it to sound like I'm just a big downer <laughs> on it or anything. So <laughs> no, I don't, I don't think so. it's one episode. You know what I mean? Yeah. And 
and a and a pilot episode or a premiere episode or whatever it's meant to be or wasn't meant to be is still the first impression and this one in some regards gives a good one but first impressions aren't necessarily based on analyzing things they're based on like a vibe or a gut feeling or how it makes you feel right and and this one at times makes you feel confused and like comes across as silly as opposed to intentionally comedic so see if they can kind of overcome that yeah yeah or at least if it's going to we'll be see. silly if it's going to be silly just double down on it and make them ride yeah, sharks do it on purpose. make them ride sharks all the time that's fine <laughs> <laughs> i think yeah that 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 is what i will be most curious about because i don't think i necessarily as much as i am probably biased towards excusing the silliness based on when it was made which is is not necessarily fair because there are plenty of not silly shows in 1981. I still think I want it to not be super silly, but I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see as things shake out. Yeah. Yep. You can also check out other stuff where we're where I am in bad higher spirits about things. <laughs> and we're silly on purpose. <laughs> and silly on we're silly on purpose on our Patreon. Check us out there. We got lots of stuff going on at patreon.com slash walloping web snappers. But in the meantime, if you'd like to follow us individually, where can we find you, Doug? You can find me on Twitter at IckyBooley, I-C-K-Y-B-O-O-L-E-Y. And you can find me on another podcast here on the 4-Eyed Radio Network called Victory Road, a Pokemon podcast where my co-host Kyle and I talk about Pokemon just as we feel like it. What about you, Derek? Sure, you can find me on Twitter at Derek B. Gale. You can also find me on my YouTube series, Second Chance, which looks at bad or divisive media from a positive lens. Uh, Not a nerd-ragey lens. I'm not as nerd-ragey as I have been on this episode, I guess. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Now you're just beating yourself up. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But I do, I have had new episodes on there uh, from the summer. And actually, the next one that's coming out before the end of this month hopefully sometime uh, before the end of next week, actually, tackles nerd rage significantly in it, actually. So, um, yeah, yeah. So I'm excited for that. Check me out there, Second Chance on YouTube. Otherwise, our actual podcast stuff, you can find us on our website, wallopingwebsnappers.com, where we have a full archive of all of our episodes. You can also follow Walloping Web Snappers on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Walloping Web Pod, or email us at wallopingwebsnapperspodcast at gmail.com. Please rate, review, and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. And if you write us a review, we will totally do a dramatic reading of it on our social media. Next week, we are going to be continuing with 1981's Spider-Man show as Spidey has to stop Dr. Doom from, surprise, taking over the world in (laughs) Dr. Doom, Master of the World. Can't wait. Bye. Spider-Man.
first impressions aren't based on good lord holy shit uh-huh <laughs>